0: I am Eileen McDougall and this is, believe it or not, the 50th episode of Book Stew. And this is where it all starts in my house. What you're looking at is my downstairs bookshelves, which are different than my upstairs bookshelves. My downstairs bookshelves are where books are held before they've been read. So this is everything that you see here in these shelves is what I hasn't migrated to upstairs yet where they're going to be read and shelved or read and given away and at least reviewed every single one. So why don't we go upstairs now and we'll look at what became the collection on this, my 50th books do episode. And the only guest today is going to be me. So around me is the upstairs library what you just saw was the downstairs not quite library because library implies a permanent or semi-permanent collection so what you see around me is that permanent or semi-permanent collection and what you saw me with downstairs were the new purchases or books that I have and I haven't quite decided whether I'm going to read them or not so there could be donations down there but why am I telling you all of this and where's my guest What you may hear in the background is a guest of sorts. We have a new dog in the house. Her name is Ellie. She can't read, but if you hear any chomping away on a bone or barking or squeaky toys, that's going to be Ellie. And uh, we'll have a couple of shots of her in at the end. But what I wanted to talk to you about today is my 50th show. It's really a milestone to have 50 episodes of any show, I think. I mean, there's not really anyone around to cancel me except myself. But I haven't canceled myself yet. I'm still having fun. And I was thinking, what can I do to make the 50th episode special? And then I thought, why don't I talk about my 50 favorite books? But luckily, very luckily, I realized that the only attention that would be held by that discussion would be possibly my own. And I'm not even sure I would stay awake for for it. So instead, I'm going to show you pictures of myself with 15 authors and give you a little bit of backstory on these authors and why I enjoy them so, why I went to their readings and just how they became a part of my head and my heart by writing or drawing, because there are some cartoonists here, uh, what they did. Some of them will be familiar to you, some of them won't. Some of them have won Pulitzer Prizes, many of them haven't. But in any case, I'm hoping you'll explore them some more after you hear uh, my explanation about why these writers, these men and these women are so important to me. So here we go. And my first writer is Larry McMurtry. Larry McMurtry, this picture that you're gonna see was taken in Washington, DC, where I was living in 1984. Um, I went to probably my first reading ever And it was Larry McMurtry, which was a great coincidence because he is my favorite author of all time. Um, Some of his books are familiar to you, especially The Last Picture Show, Terms of Endearment, Brokeback Mountain, which he wrote the screenplay for, and my all-time favorite, Lonesome Dove, which was not a movie but was a miniseries, probably one of the best ever made on TV When this book came out, I was so enthralled by it, and it is a hefty book, that as soon as I finished reading it, I cried, I went inside to get a tissue, blow my nose, get something to eat, and then I started reading it again immediately, because this is just a book that grabs you. It's about the Old West and cattle drives, which is not of particular interest to me generally, but Larry McMurtry is really a writer of the Old West and the New West. Uh, he's based in Houston. A lot of his books are Houston-centric. And he writes so well about men and about women. He is a, a man who loves women and it really shows in his books. And um, some of his many uh, characters of note have been played by Paul Newman, Jeff Bridges, Cloris Leachman, Ellen Burstyn, Sybil Shepherd. Deborah Winger, Shirley MacLaine, Jack Nicholson, uh, you name it, they've wanted to be in a movie that was made of a McMurtry script. So I was very honored to have him autograph my book and agree to take a picture with me. So now you've had a chance to see Ellie, maybe, our new dog, who has nothing to do with my fifteen influential authors. The next author you're going to see me with is Dave Barry, um, who agreed to take a ridiculous picture with me because he is a ridiculous person. Um, Dave Barry was a columnist, so I want to talk to you as well about not strictly novelists, but people who are cartoonists, people who publish in magazines. So it's not all novels that I read and it's not all novelists that I appreciate. But Dave Barry ran in the Miami Herald, he ran a Sunday column from 1983 to 2005. And all of you Boston Globe readers who are of an age would be very familiar with him. He also wrote a book that was called called Big Trouble that was made into a movie. That's Ellie's squeaky toy, uh, which we weren't able to remove the squeaker in time. So Dave Barry just kept people in hysterical laughter for all of those 30 odd years until he retired. Um, and uh, he just, to read the Sunday Globe after 2005, so he's been gone for 12 years, without Dave Barry makes the world a lot less of a funny place, which it is anyway and has been since 2005. or as we all know. So um, I highly recommend Dave Barry's books on all topics. Many of his books focus on specific uh, areas of family life, like raising teenagers, having kids. Um, He also has a ridiculous book of silly song titles. Uh, He is a musician and not a good one in a band made up of all writers called the Rock Bottom Remainders. Stephen King is in that band as well, Amy Tan, so quite a few famous authors play horribly in that band. Ellie, that's Ellie squeaking her toy again, and so uh, that's still Ellie. It's very appropriate that Ellie would squeak her toy while we're talking about the ridiculous Dave Barry, so uh, please, if you are a young'un and you have no idea who Dave Barry is, look him up, grab a book or two, and watch the movie Big Trouble. You'll really enjoy it. Thanks, Ellie. So the very serious man you see in this picture is Russell Banks. Russell Banks' books initially dealt with misery and poverty in New Hampshire. This book, The Sweet Hereafter, and uh, The Continental Drift are my favorite of his books. He since moved out of New Hampshire territory and into others. But he's a remarkable writer, especially chronicling the white working class. Here's Ellie, too. Give a sniff. Um, he's, it was almost intimidating to meet him and to have a picture taken with him because I was so in awe of his writing skills. The Sweet Hair After was made into an incredible movie starring Ian Holm, who played Bilbo Baggins in the Lord of the Rings movies. And uh, you should read the book and catch it when you can. Uh, It's hard to describe how his writing really gets to the heart of people that we now think of as deplorables but didn't think of them that way then. But really basically living in New England, um, there's nary a week that goes by that you don't meet and see some of these people, um, especially if you live in a rural part of New Hampshire or even Central Mass. So, highly recommend Russell Banks. I hope that I will be forever known as the woman who brought Tom Parada to Wilmington. Tom Parada is another one of my favorite authors, obviously, or he wouldn't be here. But the picture that you see here is Tom Parada and me at the Wilmington Memorial Library. I uh, was part of the Friends board then and had influenced... Um, the library staff to bring him to Wilmington to discuss what was a new book for him at the time called Little Children, which went on to become a very successful movie, as did Election, which was also uh, one of Reese Witherspoon's first movies. I think that maybe six people showed up to see Tom Parada, which was very embarrassing, but he was warm-hearted and very kind about it. I don't even know how I tracked him down, but in any case I did. Now, any of you who have heard of Tom Parada would know of him as the man who wrote the book called The Leftovers, which has become a really, became a really successful, uh, I think it was on HBO show with Justin Theroux, ran three or four seasons and um, really took off from the book into a different type of series television. Uh, Tom Parada wrote the book, The Leftovers, which dealt with a fascinating concept that one day, 2% of the whole world's population disappears. And it is assumed that they have been raptured because we've all been raised on those stories of these uh, charlatans who tell us that on this day and this time, the rapture will occur and all of those people who are devout will be whisked up to heaven and the rest of us will fall into the bowels of hell. So uh, Tom Parada actually wrote a book in which this very small percentage, but if, if it's of the world's population, it's a lot of people, disappear with no explanation. And what he deals with is the remaining people on earth who have to figure out what to do from here. Um, so Tom Parada should be known to you from uh, the leftovers or from his earlier books. He's kept writing. He's very funny. He's a great chronicler of suburban life. I think if you thought of him as a band, you'd think of him as Steely Dan, a little bit perverse, very funny, and always worthwhile and enjoyable. So that's Tom Parada. You are a silly dog. You were posing. Okay, so we're back, and that was Ellie I hope we caught that great picture of her uh, asking for her belly to be rubbed, which I'm not going to do in the middle of the episode. Ellie, no squeaking during the show. So um, now I'm going to talk to you about Eleanor Lippmann who's the kind of uh, a little bit uh, worried about who's this crazy woman standing next to her shot. Eleanor Lippman is local to Massachusetts. Uh, She is a genius of a writer, another woman who deals with urban and suburban life, but especially with women going through trying romantic situations. And my favorite of her books is this one called The Pursuit of Alice Thrift. Um, She is just hilarious. A bunch of her books have also been made into primarily TV movies. Um, I'd love to have her at the library. She's also gotten into writing political satire in the form of poetry, which I haven't read because I have to admit I'm not a devout poetry fan. But that's what she's up to lately, and uh, she's just a smart woman and a great writer. So that's Eleanor Lipman. So the woman that you see me with in this picture who's smiling so joyfully, as am I, is my all-time favorite cartoonist, Linda J. Barry. I have been collecting her books since the early 80s when she first appeared in the Boston Real Paper, if any of you remember that. She's a great cartoonist. She's half Filipino, and she grew up um, around in Oregon, around Portland, in a very, very diversified neighborhood with all kinds of kids. And her cartoons primarily deal with her childhood and growing up in a neighborhood where the parents just basically let the kids run wild all day and all night, which made for great fun for everybody. Linda's also done a book called The Good Times Are Killing Me, which is about relationships between uh, two teenagers, one white and one black, that was made into a really great play, which I saw in Boston. Linda also teaches classes in how to allow your expressive self to come out, especially in cartooning and drawing. Uh, She is buddy buds with Matt Groening of The Simpsons, and in fact, they went to school together. So they're kind of of a type, except that The Simpsons is a lot more cynical than Linda Barry's work. But um, you can see how and why they're buddies. So this is Linda Barry. You won't find a movie of her cartoons, but if you're lucky, you will encounter the play called The Good Times Are Killing Me, and you can look for these little books of hers everywhere. So if you can see, this is an inscribed page written to me under great duress and and pressure by Walter Mosley. Walter Mosley wrote Devil in a Blue Dress, which was turned into a movie starring Denzel Washington, Um, The White Butterfly, he did most of his books had a color in the title which was kind of interesting but he's much more expansive than just um, mysteries he also writes science fiction and this picture which I'll show you a few times reflects his frustration with me I was at a reading at Brookline Booksmith and I really admire him so much I've read all his books and these are um, these mysteries are called the Easy Rawlings mysteries. He follows one character who's an African American man who moves from Houston to LA, and the books start in the right after World War II and continue on there. So there's basically a book every decade, and it reflects the changing mores, the changing life for African Americans in LA. Um, so I was so eager to speak to him, and it seemed to me that it was taking forever for Brookline Booksmith to get themselves together, to get the books ready for signing, and to get us lined up to get our books, and I was so impatient, and I was so afraid that he'd sign all the books before I had a chance to see him or talk to him. And so I kind of just kept looking over at him, and he kept looking at me, and he, at one point he just looked at me, probably because I was making him self-conscious, and said, honey, I'll be around, I'll be there, don't worry about it. And so when I finally got to take a picture with him, he just kind of put his head on my shoulder and it was so endearing and he was so gracious in dealing with someone who was so annoying and so obviously a horrible fangirl that I'm forever appreciative of him for tolerating me and for continuing to write excellent books, the last of which was set In the 80s, so that's how many decades he's moved along uh, in his book. So that's the Easy Rawlings books from Walter Mosley. So, why is it critical for me to have this beautiful quilt as my backdrop when I talk to you about the next author? It's because this is Ron Rash of Western North Carolina, one of the best Southern writers who's active today really deals in a tradition of kind of southern gothic southern mystery he writes both short stories and he writes novels Um, this is probably his best known novel which is called serena it's all about a timber baron who's a woman and her husband and what they go through to reclaim entire forest lands in north carolina she is uh, an amazing woman who's just as avaricious and mean as any timber baron who is a man would be. Um, this was made into a pretty horrible minor movie with Bradley Cooper and um, Jennifer Lawrence. They probably both regret that they made it. The book was great but the screenplay was awful. So please read the book. Don't get the movie. Just ignore it completely. And Ron Rash also has some fantastic books of short stories. and. Even though I have seen him on multiple occasions, whenever he comes out with a book and whenever he's speaking, either at Harvard Books or at Brookline Booksmith, I always go and he recognizes me, which is a thrill. And uh, so that's why I am adamant that you give Serena a try. It's a remarkable book. And the quilt's not too bad either. So why am I smiling? bad pun, because now I'm going to talk to you about Jane Smiley, who is another fabulous author, writes very, varied books. Um, One of her favorites is, she's a great horse lover, as am I, so this book Horse Heaven isn't one of her better known books, but um, I thought it was one of her best. She also wrote an early novel called The Greenlanders, which actually dealt with Just like the title says, a bunch of people living in ancient times in Greenland. And you know how Iceland is green and Greenland is ice. So there would be nothing in the world that would make me curious about a book titled The Greenlanders if Jane Smiley hadn't written it. But it's an amazing, amazing Viking-like book about um, a warrior tribe. She also wrote another book that I love. This is the one without the cover because I bought it cheap and it's called Ten Days in the Hills and it's a Hollywood story so you know you go from Greenland to Hollywood to horses um, Ten Days in the Hills was kind of panned by critics. Nobody liked it very much. I loved it. It was uh, a, ho- you know, a Hollywood sit down Ellie. A Hollywood book which is not really her style And then afterwards, she followed it up with a trilogy about landowners and farmers in the Midwest. And these three books are Early Warning, Some Luck, and Golden Age. And it follows one family through from the 1900s to the uh, late 2000s, a family that chose to continue farming while everything got difficult some of the family moved to the city, some stayed on the farm. Very, very well received trilogy and really good. I hope someone will make a movie of it someday because we really don't spend enough time with rural characters even though I know I called them deplorable a little earlier. These characters in these books are very sympathetic. So this is Jane Smiley who's kind of all over the place type of writer can seemingly write about anything, and long may she keep going and long may she wave. So that's Jane Smiley. So the wild man you see in this picture is author, cartoonist, David Reese, who was actually at Brookline Booksmith having completed a book about, I'm not lying, how to use a pencil and how to sharpen your pencil, and not even in... Uh, a lascivious way but really yellow pencils. Um, He's very eccentric and I'm going to ask Don to zoom in on these book covers because what he did, his first book of um, editorial cartoons was my new fighting technique is unstoppable and then he switched and this was just so funny to my new filing technique is unstoppable. And what David Reese does that nobody else really did at the time was to take clip art and put clip art people into absolutely ridiculous situations and have them saying really funny things within the confines of an office. So it's really the office before the office was the office, using only clip art and really bad clip art too. Clip art from the beginning of clip art when it was all like, oh, we need a clip art of like a black accountant, um, a white computer operator. And he just um, puts them in, puts words in their mouths, sometimes obscene words, mostly very funny words, and really makes you feel like you were in that office and can't wait to go home for dinner. So this is David Reese. And if you can get a hold of either of these two first books, they're definitely funnier than the book where he sharpens his pencil. So the picture you're going to see now is of me with two women, one of whom is intimidated and one of whom is not, both of whom are cartoonists. And uh, two of Ken, everyone is my favorite on the show. Roz Chast and Myra Coleman are really at the top. Um, it's, it's funny how it's, I guess the show is half cartoonist, which I didn't really realize, but let's talk about Myra Coleman first because she was the one who was really nervous when I was, came up to them and asked for a picture as well as an autograph. I think writers are used to you asking to have their books signed and personally signed, but I was insistent during these maybe 10, a 10 or 15 year period of having my picture taken with all these poor writers. Um, Since I crossed the Medicare line and maybe even a little before, I decided I don't need to see uh, writers and all my chins uh, together, so I tend to not bring cameras to readings anymore. I, I like to just listen up and also to be very honest. I'm not buying a lot of books since so our library gets me everything that I need. When I go to readings, I don't often have a book to have the author sign. But back in the day, I did. So Myra Coleman's book that, that I, we loved so much in this house is called Stay Up Late. And if you're familiar with it, this is based on a David Byrne song, a talking head song that starts out talking about a little baby who won't go to sleep. And at some point, David Byrne and Myra Kalman decided to do a collaboration. So now I'm going to open the book. And you can see what happens when the family, the entire family, gets together and tries like hell to get the baby to go to sleep, and the baby won't go to sleep. So they have a raucous party trying to get the baby to go to sleep. And if I can do it without getting arrested for copyright issues, I will have the song playing somewhere during this episode because it's a great song and Myra Coleman's vision of the song to put it into a book. Uh, when my daughter was young, we used to put the song on my Walkman and dance around and read the book at the same time. So it was great audio experience. And then there's Roz Chast who you would know probably from The New Yorker if you if you read The New Yorker she's Again, another very, very well-known cartoonist. Um, She also just finished, um, she had written a memoir, now she's got a new book coming out. She had a, a kind of a strange childhood. She was an only child, and her parents seemed very detached. They kind of let her partially raise herself, and she grew up in Connecticut outside of New York City. And her parents did not restrict her as far as going into New York City, so she spent a lot of time just basically walking around the city and uh, growing up on her own. The memoir is really good. Ellie. um, And she has probably 15 books of, uh, of comics. They're usually single panel from The New Yorker. This one was called The Party After You Left, this book and I love the cover because it's got all these people you would have wanted to meet like Jesus and Buddha but of course they only showed up at the party as soon as you went home so here's an example of Roz Chast's work which uh, will probably look familiar to you Both both of them when they travel together and do readings obviously really enjoy each other's company have a great sense of humor and even though Myra Coleman looked half angry at me and half intimidated by my stalking, I really enjoyed meeting the both of them, and you'll love their books. This lovely lady is in her mid-80s, and her name is Jane Gardam. I don't know how I came across her. She wrote uh, this book primarily, was the first one I picked up, which is called Old Filth, which is kind of a strange title for an elderly British lady to write, but old filth referred to um, men in the diplomatic corps, maybe some women, who left London because they were not successful working in England and were shipped off to the Raj or to other British-held colonies to Hong Kong to try to make a a diplomatic success in those countries. So filth stands for failed in London Try Hong Kong, which so it's an acronym for that. She followed it up with two more books about the same couple. Um, the wife basically in those days in the 40s followed the husband to Hong Kong, gave up the life in England and uh, pretty surprisingly they had a very fulfilling life, no children and uh, the third book, the last book, deals with The husband, when he's in retirement, in his basically in his garden in an English suburb, and who moves next door to him except his rival for his wife Betty's hand before she married him in Hong Kong. So it's a series of three books, but she also wrote some very, very gothic, creepy novels and short stories before Old Filth came out, um, some of which I think are being considered for movies now or maybe serial serialized on TV so it's Jane Gardham and start with old filth work your way through the other two books in the trilogy and then go backwards in her catalog and try some of the creepy short stories Stephen King and Ellie who's squeaking a toy would greatly approve. Oh so who to close with this was a tough decision no it really wasn't tough at all. You all know this woman. You all know what she went through. Did you know she wrote a book? This is Professor Anita Hill. If Professor Anita Hill had been believed when Clarence Thomas was nominated for the Supreme Court, if he had not won the course or not been confirmed, I'm sorry, actually it was a victory, a a sad victory, the entire course of history would be different which is sad to think of, but all we can do is admire this brave woman, what she did for all people, not just women, how she continues to be successful in her career, continues writing books, and is always someone to be admired. And now I have some admiration to pass on. Over 50 episodes, I wanna thank everyone at WCTV who's been so helpful, starting with Sandra Curtin, who coerced me into doing this show, to uh, Lisa Kapala, who taught me how not to go um so much, to Don, who's a great still photographer and uh, basically accompanied me on my toughest shoots, to all the volunteers who've helped me, to Steve Valenti, to John Cimino, to Adam, to Scott, to Brian, who preceded him, to Bill, um to all of you to uh kaylee to everyone who's made uh being part of wctv so enjoyable and so rewarding and fulfilling and to those of you who don't get bored with me talking about books all the time thank you from book stew what kind of silly dog was in that show